Welcome to the Equivine Podcast. My name's Karen Milliken, and I'm here with my co-host, Nathan Wagner. I just, it's hard. Listen, it's hard for me right now. It's hard for me, too. And if I, I bet. Do you sign your name still, Henson? Like, when you write your... Can I be honest? I haven't legally changed it. Well, yeah. Well, that, so, that takes a quick minute. That's okay. You've only been married for two months. Yeah! Take that, world! Yeah, but I mean, like, when you're signing your name, do you still sign Henson, or are you... Well, the only things I've had to sign my name on are, like real thing so i have to put my real name so i haven't even practiced my new signature okay. all right well maybe you should get on that it's like i'm back in elementary school where i get to yeah you have to rewrite you have to like rewrite your signature you have to learn a new way it's hard well today we're back listening to nathan's talk to our community group leaders and shepherds here and we're going to be talking more about discipleship so we hope you enjoy this conversation it's less of a conversation it's actually just nathan talking <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the next question is, who is a disciple? And there's just a basic meaning of, of the term disciple. And it comes from, if you read in the Old Testament, it comes from the Hebrew word talmid, which is literally just from the root lamad, which means to learn. The Greek version of this is the word mathetes, and that comes from manthano, which is also to learn. So at its very basic level, a disciple is a learner, a student. But you can't ever just say, oh, well, this person's a learner or a student in the sense of the transfer of knowledge. The word has developed over the centuries. And by the time Jesus hit the scene, the word really had this sense of an adherent to a master teacher, sometimes an adherent to like an idea, but ultimately an adherent to a way of life that this master teacher taught. And so in that way, Jesus's rabbinic model of discipleship was similar to the rabbinic model of first century Judaism. But it also, even though it had continuity, it was also uh, had discontinuity. It was different than them because the discipleship to Jesus was, was not just a, a way or an idea, like you go to school and learn these ideas and you graduate. Like I said before, discipleship to Jesus was to himself. And so really the question that we have to ask when we're asking who is a disciple is, whose disciple are you? The type of discipleship that you live out in your life is gonna be contingent on the type of person that you're following and the demands that that master teacher makes on your life. So you can be a disciple of someone and it's easy. It's like, hey man, just like show up whenever you want, kind of do whatever you want and you're good. Or you can yoke yourself or apprentice yourself or become a student of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and uh, die on it, right? <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, okay, right? So that's a different kind of discipleship. The disciple that's called underneath that type of discipleship is taking on a much different kind of life. And so like Mike Wilkins says in Following the Master, he said, the type of discipleship found in Judaism depended upon the kind of master or group to which the disciple belonged. A unique feature of the Jesus movement was that it centered and depended wholly and solely on Jesus himself. Again, the call to a person, not a call to knowledge primarily or behavior primarily or anything other than come to me. That's the call of Jesus. And so I would say that just like we talked about in discipleship, discipleship begins at the moment of conversion. 
And then through the stages of development, people are to grow by the power of the spirit into maturity. And so the real answer, I think, to who is a disciple is it's anybody who's entered into the family of God. So there are no tiers of like convert and then disciple. I mean, it's like somebody coming up to Jesus and going, hey, Jesus, I kind of want all the benefits of like being your disciple, but I don't really want to follow you. Like, I want to follow you, but I don't really want to follow you. That's absurd. But that's what so many of us believe, right? We're like, yeah, I follow Jesus when it's convenient or whatever. And Jesus is going, no, actually, life with me means that your life on your terms is over. You apprentice yourself to me, just like a student who wants to learn would never go up to his teacher and go, hey, I want to take your class, but I don't really want to listen to anything you say. It's the same thing. So we're not trying to get Christian converts to become disciples. They're already disciples. The real question is, what type of disciple are they? And what stage of development are they in? Those are the right questions. So secondly, not every disciple, like I just said, is in the same stage of development. A lot of these developmental stages will mirror the stages of normal human development. So I think a great way to think about it is, is that you have a spiritual infant, somebody who's just born, like they become a Christian like five minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're like, oh, you're okay. You know, you're burping the baby and playing with the baby and, and uh, oh, it makes me think of Baba Joel's, my little girl. She, man, she's going to be three the heck is that, dude? I'm seeing DK. I'm like, dude, she was born like yesterday. What in the world? Some of y'all that have, are empty nesters are now are like, yeah, you just wait. She'll be gone. You know? And I'll be like, anyway, that's a total rabbit trail. But it, you got the baby and you're like, well, you don't treat a baby Christian like you would an adolescent Christian. That's not what they need. They need nourishment. They need encouragement. And what's crazy is, and this is nuts, you'll see, I see it all the time, right? A lot of times, baby Christians, because they were born yesterday, they have this really deep sense of omnipotence. I mean, you ever think about this? A baby will go, wah, 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 and then food shows up in its face. And the baby's like, whoa, I just created that. You know what I'm saying? Or if the baby's like, wah, 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 and, and all of a sudden it's getting its diaper changed. And it's like, I just did that too. All the baby has to do is cry and junk happens. And the, from the baby's perspective, they're super powerful. All I have to do is go, wah, and stuff happens. That's a very similar stage of development for brand new Christians, which is why when I was like nine years old, I was eight when I became a Christian, but within a couple of years, like I was so amped up on Jesus that I wanted to like charge hell with a water pistol. Come on, who's with me? Man, I didn't know anything. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know up and down or left and right or anything, but I was charging hell with a water pistol, even though I didn't even know where it was. You know, I don't know, just run around. You know, there's a lot of energy in the early years of discipleship to Jesus. What an, a spiritual infant needs in that moment is to be encouraged. You never like... Oh my gosh, you never, ever, 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 ever want to squash that fire. Don't ever look at a brand new Christian and be like, well, one of these days you'll understand. Don't do that. Because they need to feel empowered. They need to feel powerful. 
God created them like that. Now, he wants them to grow, but man, the worst thing you can do to a child is to put the child down and be like, uh, you'll figure it out. No, when the child sees something, like when Jules came up to me and, daddy, I found a rock. I'm like, yeah, you found a rock. That's amazing, right? I see, is that Matt Middleton right there? Yeah, see Matt, I see Matt right there. Like if Matt came up to me and said, hey, I found a rock, I'd be like, hey, what are you talking about, man? You know, which I mean, you know, well, yeah, you might do that. <laughs> but I'm not gonna treat Matt like I would Jules. For Jules, I'm gonna encourage that. I'm gonna encourage her sense of, of discovery and awe. And so we need to treat disciples of Jesus according to whatever stage of development they're in. Whether it's infancy or childhood or adolescence or young adulthood or adulthood or somebody is in the twilight years of their walk with Christ. Which is why we have a bunch of stuff around here for all kinds of people in different stages of development. We have discipleship opportunities for people who aren't even disciples yet. It's called Great Questions. Yeah, now I'm giving myself a commercial. On Monday night at 7.30, you should come to the South Community Room and sit in and, and uh, we'll, at, we'll answer questions, right? That's a great questions ministry. But then we have stuff for beginners, which is like equip disciple. Hey man, this is like Christianity for Barney. Learn to read your Bible, learn to pray, learn to share your faith, learn to memorize scripture. Like we will coach you in that. It's awesome. So you've got that. And then for people who, people might get into regen or re-engage. And then you've got stuff like the equipping courses that we have that are all online now that you can take advantage of. So if you're growing in your faith, it's like, man, I'm, I think I'm ready to chew a little bit more. It's like, awesome, chew on this. And then for people who are growing a little bit more in their faith, then we have things like the Institute. We have things like the equipping podcast. And so I would say we work really hard to put meaty content on the equipping podcast. We're not even trying to water it down. Although sometimes Karen Henson, I'll start going off and Karen will be like, Hey, Nathan, come back over here. You know, she's like, she keeps me grounded. It's not Karen Henson. She just got married. It's Karen Milliken. Karen, are you in here tonight? No, actually she's teaching women's Bible study. Anyway, so Karen's in there with me. So I would encourage you to check that out. There's a ton of resources on discipleship on that podcast. I mean, it's out there for you to take. So Again, who is a disciple? A disciple is someone who's just in the family of God. They're part of the community of believers. They've made a faith commitment in Jesus to follow him. And it's our responsibility to meet them where they are and then to give them what they need at that moment in their discipleship to Jesus. Right? Which means we have to think about this and be critical and ask questions and try to discern where they are and to help them take that next step of faithfulness to Jesus. Okay, this is the most critical thing that I'm gonna say tonight, probably, okay? I mean, unless, I don't know, Jesus may just like start dropping some bombs, I don't know. But the next question I'm gonna answer is, who is the disciple maker? Now, for a long time in my life, I would have given you the answer to that question as I am. I mean, I had Matthew 28, 19 memorized. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And so I'm like, well, sweet. Jesus is the king. I've got my orders. I'm going to go make disciples. And so off I went to make disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. And my external life had far outpaced my internal life. 
And so I was running myself into the ground because the maturity that I had on the inside was not matching. It could not keep pace with what I was doing externally. And so I locked up like an engine and just collapsed. I mean, I ran myself right into the ground. In that season of my life, that's when I started to learn this distinction because it became super clear to me in that moment that I was like, oh, I'm not the one who's making disciples. I can't do anything. I mean, I wrote my master's thesis on this passage, but in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, there's this emphasis marker at the end of the Great Commission. And in Greek, it's edu. All right, I'm gonna teach you a Greek word. Say edu. Oh, come on, guys. I mean, I know it's been what? All right, it's been 36 minutes since I've been up here. All right, but hang with me. Edu, everybody ready? There you go. But now we're gonna do it one more time because it's an emphasis marker, which means you have to say it, right? Ready, edu. One, two, three. There we go. Kayadu. And behold, I am with you always. Jesus gives this command, but the most important part of the commission is not the command. It's the promise that he's with us. I am with you always. So in those moments when you're burned out, the moment when you're discouraged, the moment when you're, oh, I can't see up. I don't know. It's dark. It's too dark in here. I don't know where the stuff is. Guess what, guys? He is with you. He's with you. Mike Wilkins said this in following the master, both in Jesus's earthly ministry in Palestine and also in his ascended ministry. A lot of times we don't think about that, but it's there. So both in his earthly ministry in Palestine and in his ascended ministry after Pentecost, Jesus emphasized that the Holy Spirit is the key to discipleship. The Spirit is the one who convicts unbelievers. He regenerates new believers. He causes growth. We must allow for the work of the Spirit in everything we do while making disciples. Although various programs and methods can be helpful, discipleship practices must rely on the work of the Spirit from beginning to end. And you cannot program the Holy Spirit. Thank God you can't, right? We're not an assembly line. We're not just putting trinkets together. Do, 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 do. Disciple, <laughs> right? <laughs> that might show up in a meme somewhere. I don't know. We're not putting trinkets together. No, the Holy Spirit is transforming you in the depths of your soul that you don't even know are there, right? You think about this. So I'm, I'll be 42 next month. <sighs> I'll be 42 next month. And sometimes I think about this. I'm like, dude, what if I could go back and talk to the 21-year-old version of myself? You ever think about that? What would you do? What would you say to yourself? Well, I, don't, I mean, I, frankly, I might get in a fight with myself, you know? Or I would, like, the 42-year-old version, I, this is what I'd do. I'd give myself a big hug. I'd be like, dude, it'll be okay. But what's crazy is, what's the 55-year-old version of myself going to say to me? 
Do you ever think about that? And I say that to just point out the fact that we are way more broken than we think we are. We're broken in ways that we have no idea about yet. But God knows. And he's moving by his spirit underneath to press up, to push up, to expose our insecurities, our woundedness, our malformation, our dysfunction. He, he's pushing it up because he loves us. He's trying to set us free. Not just forgiven, but to walk in freedom. And so the point is that Jesus is still taking on disciples. We don't make disciples of ourselves. We are used by Jesus as he takes on more disciples to himself. That is such a critical distinction. Because at the end of the day, what it means is, like 1 Corinthians 3 says, like Colossians 1 says, we are co-laboring with God but God is the one who's actually causing the growth. Like, do you guys realize no farmer ever has grown a crop? There has never been a farmer ever who has grown a crop. What does the farmer do? He labors with the soil, but ultimately he's relying on the laws of nature empowered by God through rain, through sunshine, through time, to grow the crop. While we work and there are things that we do as we do them and as we do them correctly, we increasingly come to realize that we're not doing anything. It's God who causes the growth. So I'm gonna translate this for us, okay? And here's the translation. You cannot change people. So stop trying to. And start trusting that Jesus actually knows what he's doing. How many of y'all have ever been in a relationship, maybe in your community group or, or community shepherd, where you carry the burden on your shoulders of, okay, here I am, something's gotta happen, I have to do this, I'm a community shepherd, I'm a community group leader, I need to bring about change here. Even if you don't say that, how many of you function like it? A, a lot of us do. A lot of us function like that. And when we function like that, ultimately what we're saying is, hey, Lord, you don't really know what you're doing, and so I'm gonna help you out here. And that's like a family feud. <clears throat> Wrong. Wrong answer. We have got to appreciate the fact that in anything, in any person we're interacting with, in anything we do, um, we have to realize that when we step into the room, guess who's already been there the whole time? Jesus has. And so we step in and we get to partner with him. We're invited in. But we're invited into his work, not ours. I mean, if you don't hear me say anything else tonight, hear me say that. When we participate in discipleship, in one another's discipleship, we are invited in to the work of the Holy Spirit. We are invited into Jesus's work, not our work. And so we're faithful with what God has given to us in that moment, and then we rest. We rest in the sovereignty of God, knowing that he ultimately is sovereignly working all things for our good and his glory. 
Thanks for listening to the Equipping Podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We know that you have a lot of options to listen to when you're listening to podcasts. So we appreciate that you took the time to listen to this podcast. Yeah, never listen to anything else. <laughs> is, that, is that too demanding? Yeah, 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 no. I, in fact, we encourage you to listen to other stuff for sure. I definitely listen to other stuff. What other podcasts do you listen to? Listen, I'm not a podcast person. Oh, really? What the? You have your own podcast. You don't even listen to other podcasts? No. All right. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to the ones I listen to. Shout out to the Pillar Seminary. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to On Script, those guys uh, up at the King's College in New York City, Drew Johnson, those dudes. Let's see. What else do I listen to? Oh, a shout out to Bible Project. Oh, that one. Tim Mackey and John Collins. Love those dudes. Uh, Shout out to the Table Podcast down at Dallas Seminary. Daryl Bach. Yeah. You know, I've actually listened to all of those before. That's good. Yeah, there you go. Maybe I also recommend that. All right. Anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed this. If you liked it, then please help us by sharing it or commenting or leave us a rating or any of that awesome stuff. And until next week, peace. Bye. Was so anticlimactic. Ba 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 ba